Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Bread. We are back. We've got a lot to talk about today. Um, it's been a bit of a rough time in markets lately. I feel like I've been saying that every episode, but it's just been the fact uh, that it has been. You know, it's been a few months of of not very fun times, very boring sideways markets. And then all of a sudden this week, we had a brief, you know, one day stint where we broke the sideways-ness down because of our good friend Gary Gensler. And, uh, but now we're right back up <laughs> to where before uh, he decided to sue all of our exchanges. So we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into some Gary Gensler and, and Binance and, and Coinbase stuff. And I want to give you a little, you know, I got a little, I got a little big picture connected dots for you. Not, not so much, you know, you know what happened. He's suing Coinbase and Binance for, uh, basically I- issuing or, or, or selling illegal securities that, you know, that's, that's basic, but we're going to get a little bit in the weeds of, of bigger picture of what's going on behind the scenes on that. And then I also want to talk about just the market itself a little bit, how I'm playing it, things I'm looking at, some coins here and there, uh, and all that. But anyways, let's, uh, let's get into it. But before we do, I wanted to give a quick shout out to my buddy, Zoomer Oracle, he's building uh, a new little platform uh, for meme coin trading called Pepe Analytics. And I told him I'd give him a little shout out on the show. Uh, it's basically, it's it's a tool for trading meme coins. I wrote a little thread on it on Twitter, so you can check that out. But it's going to be like the one-stop shop for meme coin trading. And uh, they just launched their uh, passes basically to use the platform, uh, which will be live next month. And so far, everything I've seen from it looks pretty legit and looks pretty good and looks like it's going to be a very useful tool for trading meme coins. There's only, it's an NFT pass. There's only 520, I believe, of them. And uh, there were 400 sold to the public, so even smaller circulating supply. And then next month, when the platform goes live, you'll be able to redeem those NFTs for uh, the Pepe AI token. Great ticker, by the way phenomenal phenomenal ticker pepe ai um so anyways quick shout out to that he you can uh, buy those passes the current market cap on they're like 0.6 eth i think right now they minted at 0.35 i think they're like 0.6 eth ish uh, around there last time i checked like earlier today um but the market cap is only like 600k i think roughly so i think when the token goes live it'll be much higher than that so probably still a decent buy not financial advice of course but just wanted to give a friend, a shout out for his platform. He's been working on this behind the scenes for a little bit and it's pretty legit. So go check it out. Um, let's get into the show. So, oh, actually, I'll leave the link to that in the description, obviously. Okay, let's get into the show. Um, let's talk about the market for a second. We are we are in the, the trough of despair, okay? We are solidly in the trough of despair. I'm looking at my reflection right now on the camera. My forehead is extremely shiny, and I'm not sweating or anything. It's just like these lights are like in my face. Maybe can I – hold on. I, I need a haircut, so that's why I'm wearing the hat today. So Okay, I'm wearing the Seinfeld hat. Okay, well, hold on. There we go. Okay, 
That helps with the shininess. We're going to flip the hat around. All right. Rep in Seinfeld. Okay. <laughs> Back into the market. Um, yeah, we, we market sucks. I don't know what else to say. Market's been uh, just sideways and choppy. So, yeah, if you're like a scalper, it's been great. Um, but other than that, it's been pretty shit. So, I don't know what else to say other than that. But I, I wanted to talk, like, zoom out bigger picture. Um, you know, we had terrible news this week with Coinbase and Binance. And we didn't lose that, like, 25K level. We looked like we were going to lose it for a moment there on the Binance news uh, when we dumped really, really, really hard. But we didn't. And then on the Coinbase news, the next day, we actually pumped on the news. The market gave a big middle finger to Gary. So overall, the market seems pretty resilient. You know, it's funny. The the, the benefit of this market has been for certain things, like uh, I've been just – I talked about farming LSDFi stuff with ETH. Uh, in previous episodes, that's been great because I've just been sitting in a bunch of ETH in these farms and ETH has just been, I think my average entry to get into these farms was like 18, 20 to 40 on ETH. And we've just been there up, up or down a little bit, but been around there for two months now. So that's been nice. So there are benefits, right? Anything where you're trying to just farm shit, like especially around ETH uh, has been very nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, the market's been tough. And and really, I mean, I talk, I mean, talk so much about this over the last few episodes, I don't have a whole lot extra to say, but it's been still just max PVP. You know, there's, there's one or two hot coins of the week, it seems like, you know, there will be some hot meme coin of the week. This week, it was Harry Potter, Obama, Sonic, Inu, or whatever it's called. Cool. <laughs> I can't I, I don't I can't take you know I every time every time I have to talk about meme coins on this show I just think of like that that meme from succession where Logan is like I love you guys but you are not serious people and uh you know when I have to come on here and say oh yeah the best play of the week was Harry Potter Obama Sonic Inu you know it's it's not the most it's not the it's not the most fun thing to talk about, but anyways, anyways, that was the that was the meme coin of the week, and you know there were a few DeFi plays. There was uh, Equilibria and uh, Artichoke. Can I be honest? I totally faded Artichoke. I I was gonna be in presale of that. I, I the name was so dumb. I thought it was a scam. I swear to God, <laughs> I swear, I didn't buy Artichoke because I thought. Artichoke Finance, this is the dumbest name I've ever heard. And I just totally wrote it off. And that was a mistake because I think it's up like 5x or something. I don't even know. Like 5x from pre-sale or something. Maybe even higher. I don't know. So that was a mistake. Don't. One thing I've learned that I'm bad at, that I still made this mistake, but crypto people are terrible at branding and marketing. So don't necessarily write some project off because you're like that sounds so ridiculously terrible that has to be like a scam they're just gonna rug my money if i put my money in that pre-sale um i guess don't do that because you know then you miss out on a, a 5x plus like artichoke finance artichoke finance artichoke finance that's the best that's the best name you could come up with that's like you said i'm gonna put my blood sweat and tears and artichoke finance anyways 
So I missed out on that one. Um, I did get rugged on Enlight Finance. That was cool. You know, nice little pre-sale. Got rugged on that. That was an LSD Fi play that turned out to be a scam. So that was cool. Very cool. Farmed their Discord. You know, did all the tasks. Awesome. Always good to lose time and money. Um, what else has been going on? I mean, we're just in a multi-year low of volatility, right? So you have to understand that that's the environment we're in. And when you understand that that's the environment we're in, then, you know, you just have to be in capital preservation mode. There's not a whole lot to say. It's like, hey, things will get easier at some point. Times will get better. So don't chop yourself up into oblivion. And I'm very much speaking to myself because I've been doing this. You know, I'll make money, lose money, make money, lose money. Um, chop yourself in, into oblivion in this market. Frankly, I mean, it's gotten so bad that I really, besides like ETH, I consider my exposure like ETH and stables, but like as far as non-ETH stable exposure, I'm pretty much never going over 10 to 15% of my portfolio at a time. Like 15% is about as much exposure as I'm getting um, to non-ETH basically. And I mean, you know, I mean, because there's just nothing I can really, first of all, liquidity is so bad that there's nothing that I really feel confident like trying to size into that if I need to get out of quickly, I'm not going to just get wrecked on slippage. So that's number one. Uh, and number two, it's like I don't have any like conviction on a lot of stuff right now because there's so many coins that are like popping up in new plays. But, you know, I, like I, like one thing, one thing I, I'm sure some of you can relate to this is one thing, you know, we all joke about being degens or whatever. And sure, like when you tell an average normie like, oh, yeah, like I only put my money in crypto, like I don't really trade anything else. And there are times where I'll, I have 100% crypto exposure, right? They are they think you're insane. That's fair. But when you compare yourself to other people in this space, I realize that I am not a degenerate like some of these other people are because like I can't bring myself to put like like I mean people will literally put like you know a quarter a third half of their portfolio in like one coin and just bet it all and, and in an environment like this you know if we're like really rocking in a bull market and you're just looking for that make it play and you have utter conviction even then, you know, it's very risky, but you know, hey, go for it, buddy, go for it. But in this market, people are just putting their fucking portfolios on the line on like dog shit. It's crazy. It's crazy. And you know, you see the hero story where sometimes it works and hey, good for you. Congrats. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. I know I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy who's like willing to, I just, I'm just, I just know you have to always ask yourself that like, are you going to be more upset if you make a big bet in this current environment and it fails and you lose a bunch of money and now you have less capital to work with when things get better and things get easier? Or are you like going to be more upset if you didn't make a big bet and you could have made money? Because for me, I'm much more upset when I lose money than I am happy when I make money in an environment like this, right? Does that make sense? Like, 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 I hate losing money in an environment like this because I just know I'm like, dude, you need to be making, like obviously losing money is like part of the game. You're not gonna win every trade, but 
you know, I made a couple, I got impatient. Like I really haven't taken a sized bet in like, I don't know, since like March, April. I can't even remember the last time. So it's been definitely over a month, maybe two months. And I got a little impatient last week and I was trying to load up. Um, I was buying GHA gassed. I think I talked about that on the show. I was uh, I was in it from like the high 50s, low 60s, and then it started pushing up into the 70s, and I just started adding to it. And that one had decent liquidity, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna try building a bigger position. Luckily, I was about to put another big clip in it at like 76 or something, but I said, let me wait a minute, let me sleep on it. And uh, it like topped out at like 79, but it just cratered back down. Cause I thought it was finally, cause it's been in this consolidation range and I thought it was gonna break out like past hundred. And so I was like, this is gonna be my size trade. Like for the month, I'm gonna nail this bitch and then I'm gonna chill. Um, and it didn't work. And then I got a big clip uh, and I had to size down, you know, cause I was like, okay, I'm way too exposed. I was playing the breakout, this thing did totally failed to break out so i had to reduce size and take a bit of an l i still hold some of it but you know it's a bummer and uh but i was pissed with myself because i was like dude did you do that because i mean part of me really like i do like i'm still gonna like add more into that trade at some point um with jha because i do think gas is a good protocol but i had to ask myself did i make that trade because i really really thought like that was the trade or was it because I hadn't made like a big swing in two months and I want I was just impatient and I was like, let me just get this one like sick trade and then I'll be good, you know, for the rest of the month and I can chill out. And the answer was the latter, right? That was the truth. And it cost me. It didn't cost me too much. I mean, it's not like it totally dumped. It just went back from like, you know, whatever, like 79 back down into the 60s. Uh, so it wasn't like a crazy like 50% drawdown or anything. But, you know... I mean, I, I I took a stupid hit that I should I've been very, very good at about being disciplined and like like not taking losses basically in this environment and taking very minimal losses. And that was the first like decent hit I took. And that was it was dumb. It was dumb, but you know, it happens. It happens. So because in this market the problem is like, you know, I'll grow my portfolio five percent, but all it takes is one dumb trade like that to just lose like three, 4%, you know? And then I'm back, I just lost what I grinded over the last few weeks, you know? Cause, cause I, I'm in this market, ideally I'm trying to do, like, I'm not trying to be greedy. I'm just trying to do like 10% months, you know? I mean, nothing crazy, which I know obviously, you know, in other markets, people 10% months are crazy, but like, you know, this is crypto. I'm not, in this market, I just want a 10% month. That's all I really want, but I didn't get it. I mean, I'm, I've only gotten, I was at like a five, 6% month. And then I took a little L on that. Um, so I'm probably up like fucking two, 3%, man, for, a, for the last month. And, uh, you know, is what it is, but I, it's just, you just have to accept it though. You just have to say, I, cause I'm just like, I don't care about, I'm totally, I've totally removed the FOMO out of my system. I don't care about making big plays in this market. Um, I just want to get my, my singles and doubles, you know, I just want to grind out my little profits because the time for big profits and big swings will come. I'm, I love to take a big swing. No, no, there's no better feeling than like having that conviction play and saying the timing is right, the market is right, I'm really gonna go for it. You know, and I had a few of those earlier this year. 
but this just it ain't the time man it ain't the time so you just have to accept it um but the good news is we really are getting some bottom signals here boys i gotta i gotta tell you i mean we are at peak disinterest from normies for sure normies could not care less about crypto right now um vcs i saw just today or a couple days ago uh like vc investment in crypto is at its lowest um in like four years or something basically since the last bear market um and it's it's down like 80 percent from just a year ago so vcs all these like uh, tourist VCs have left. A lot of them are literally pivoting to AI. Jason Calacanis had a tweet today saying, if you work in crypto, you should quit and work in AI. You know, all, these are all the things that you wanna see. These are all the types of things that you wanna see. There's a Vox article saying crypto's dead, all this type of stuff, right? Um, and then on top of that, just more and more regulatory FUD hitting with, with Gary, which we'll get into in a second. Um, you know, and even even the most the biggest thing is like even crypto traders themselves are just getting burnt out trading this market. I see a lot of guys saying, screw this, I'm going to go trade equity, I'm going to trade Forex, whatever. And it's like, to me, that's always a signal when the people who even spend their lives in this market are like, man, I just can't take it anymore. That's that tells me we are thoroughly thoroughly into the time capitulation phase because that's the part of the bear market people always like underestimate is everyone always remembers the big crashes and the big red days and you're like oh my gosh but that's that's there's still too much excitement there right big red days are exciting right it might be exciting for the wrong reasons but there's lots of attention right when ftx was crashing and luna was crashing and all this stuff uh, there was still lots of attention on the market. Now there is no attention on the market. And that's why we're just going sideways or down <laughs> mostly. Uh, but it's just super, super flat and low volatility because there's just not a lot of people playing this market. Liquidity is low, volatility is low, attention is low, you know? And, and the three things that you need for crypto to go up is you need liquidity, you need volatility because that's why people trade this market. If there wasn't volatility, you know, there's plenty of other markets to trade. You put you trade this for the volatility uh, and you need attention. Right. And so those are the three things you need for this market. And we have zero of the three right now, which, you know, feels bad in the moment, but is what you want to see if you're saying, OK, well, clearly we're not in a bull market. So. <laughs> if we're if we haven't been in a bull market for a year and a half now you want to see those things like go away because that is what you need to kind of renew and refresh and start the new bull so uh yeah you know next year that's that's really the, the what i'm expecting been saying that forever and uh that's it so another you know probably another six months of, of of not very fun it could happen sooner maybe i mean stocks are ripping it um but i don't know if they're gonna be back into a bull or if they're kind of just having another bear market like sick rally here i don't know it's a it's hard to gauge i don't trade equities so i don't want to have a super strong opinion on that um i mean the fed is very likely to pause soon so that could be a very positive catalyst and then if they were to you know cut maybe at the end of the year I think you would pretty solidly say, okay, it's time to start the next cycle. Um, 
So that's it. So we're just fully in the in the time capitulation phase. And so the most important thing you can do now is just not leave, not give up now. Like this is the worst possible time to give up. And uh, I'm sure most of you aren't planning that, right? Because I think a lot of you, like myself, made that mistake in 2018, 19, when things got really boring, you kind of just stopped paying attention. And then you you missed a lot of the early gains. And you started coming back in later. I do not plan on making that same mistake again. So that means I will deal with the pain now so that I don't miss the meteoric gains later. So that's it. Not much to say. Uh, I, say I say not much to say as I talked for like 20 minutes. Um, okay, let's talk about Gory Guzzler, Gary Gensler. Um, and what I really think is going on behind the scenes. So obviously, the SEC this week filed uh, lawsuits against both Coinbase and Binance, alleging that they are basically operating illegal securities exchanges, unregistered security exchanges. Um, and they listed a bunch of tokens like uh, Solana, Matic, Avalanche, and a bunch of other crap. Some of these coins, it's like Dash and like, random shit that I'm like, who cares? But they always do that. But more interesting to me outside of the news itself was the various responses and chatter um, around this announcement. It's It's been no like secret that a lot of people within the SEC and a lot of people within Congress uh, and, and, and other, you know, people in charge of financial uh, regulation have said that Gary seems to be consistently like overstepping, you know, and that he has this, a lot of people are like, why does he have such an aggressive, strong vendetta against crypto? Um, like one thing is saying, okay, we need to regulate crypto. We need to crack down on, on the bad guys or whatever. But a lot of this just seems really excessive and kind of out of nowhere. Cause obviously if, as you, you know, I'm sure you remember when he first got appointed uh, by Biden uh, in 2021, you know, a lot of people were excited because this was a guy who worked at MIT uh, and basically gave all these lectures that were talking about blockchain and crypto tech and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was like good news. And then as soon as he became the SEC chair, his tune totally flipped. And over the last year or so, he has just been going after crypto relentlessly, nonstop, constantly. And doesn't really make sense, right? Why did this guy just switch up like that? You know, it's fair. I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, there are bad actors in this space and we need to get rid of them. That's fine. And so we saw even this week after these new announcements of more lawsuits that more, more uh, other financial regulators uh, came out and were like, "This guy is kind of—he's overstepping his bounds, right? He's—he is—he's going too far, you know." And and we saw—I have an article up from uh, Market Watch where basically even someone on the House Financial Services Committee was like, "Yo, dude, what are you doing?" You know, uh, I'll I'll read the article. 
but uh, it basically says the Securities and Exchange Commission is engaged in a multi-front battle against actors in the digital asset industry that intensified this week after it filed lawsuits against Binance Holdings Inc. and Coinbase Global Inc., two of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world. But there is a growing sense in Congress among former regulators that SEC Chairman Gary Gensler has bit off more than he can chew and is undermining congressional efforts to regulate the digital asset industry. Quote, the latest enforcement action against Coinbase is an egregious example of regulation by enforcement, Representative Richie Torres, a New York Democrat, told MarketWatch. Quote, it demonstrates a complete contempt for Congress, which is in the process of developing a framework for crypto regulation. So, this is even someone from Con this is even a representative a democrat by the way so this isn't like some you know like a republican saying something because gensler is you know we've seen some republicans because obviously gensler was appointed by biden in a democratic administration so we've seen some of that tit for tat but this is this is a a democrat from new york which obviously new york is is the place where most uh financial regulation comes out of right uh you see this within new york attorney generals obviously the sec themselves are based there so you you see this from a a democrat from new york even saying this right and and it continues uh gensler has signaled his growing displeasure with the industry in speeches congressional hearings and media appearances telling a congressional panel in april quote I've been around finance for 40 years. I've never seen a field so non-compliant with laws written by Congress, unquote. Torres, who sits on the House Financial Services Committee that oversees the SEC, says Gensler's current stance is evidence of a radical revision of his views on the technology from when he taught a course on blockchain and money at MIT in 2018. His, quote, his view of the law has been constantly changing, Torres said. Mr. Gensler has gone from a crypto cheerleader to a crypto skeptic, end quote, a change that Torres believes is motivated by his politics, quote, he's portraying a crypto as the villain in order to portray himself as a political hero, end quote. That's pretty scathing. That's pretty scathing from someone who works on the very committee that oversees the uh, department or the, the, uh, the agency that gary gensler runs right so even people within congress even people within the sec and other uh, uh departments have said well, this guy is he's he's like off his rocker like he is going so hard against crypto by the way while there's tons of shit going on in, in, in regular securities world that he hasn't really gone after too much, right? I mean, we had the whole SPAC debacle back in 2020 and 2021 that guys like Chamath Palihapitiya, who's recently been critical of crypto very hypocritically, uh, that, you know, a lot of those things were very blatant scams. You know, you can go and look at a lot of the SPACs that launched back just one or two years ago. And a lot of those things are down 90, 95% on promises of innovative technology and grandiose visions that didn't come through. So if someone does it in a digital asset space, that's bad. But if someone does it under my purview, that's okay. Very interesting, very interesting. And so you have to ask yourself, 
why did this guy switch up so hard to the point where even people who are supposed to be on his side, right, like Democrats in the House, are going against him. People within the SEC have spoken out against him. And then obviously we've seen other uh, representatives and other people in in financial regulatory uh, in the financial regulatory space speak out against him too, right? A lot of people are noticing what's up with this guy. What's going on here? Well, very interestingly, the day after the uh, Coinbase lawsuit announcement, there was um, the Bloomberg Investment Summit. Okay, the Bloomberg Investment Summit. It's just you know one of these financial summits, whatever. Um, bunch of investors get together and they talk in front of a stage. Uh, but anyways, or on a stage in front of an audience, I should say not in front of a stage. Uh, you know, one of these things, a little summit, but the CEO of Soros Fund Management spoke at the Bloomberg Summit. And I thought this was really interesting because I have another article. So this came out the day after, okay, all this stuff happened. All right. And uh, the headline of this article now this is from the block, this is a crypto outlet, but um, the quotes are directly from from the head of Soros's fund. Obviously, many of you probably know who Soros is, but I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Uh, the title of the article is Soros Fund Management CEO says crypto is ripe for a TradFi takeover. Uh, you get into the article. Soros Fund Management CEO Don Fitzpatrick is bullish on crypto even with the recent headwinds, including the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission suing trading platforms Binance and Coinbase amid a prolonged downturn. Quote, crypto is here to stay, she said during a Bloomberg Investment Summit. Quote, what's happened is clearly a setback. But right now, I actually think it's a huge opportunity for the incumbent financial firms to actually take the lead. End quote. Okay. So he comes out, Gary Gensler comes out and has been, I mean, obviously this is anything new. He's been trying to go after crypto for a while, but this has been one of the biggest things he's done. He's literally suing the largest American exchange and the largest global exchange in back-to-back -back days, okay? And the very next day, the CEO of Soros' fund, which manages most of Soros' money, but other people's money too, says, oh, I think crypto's great. I just think it's in the wrong hands. The people who have done everything to make crypto what it is, the Coinbase's and the Binance's and all these people, I mean, obviously, you know, not just them, but you get the point. Obviously, Coinbase has been around since 2013. They were one of the OG exchanges. They've been around for a long time. I, I mean, criticism about their customer service or user experience aside, I think we can all agree that as a, as for the crypto space in general, Coinbase has done a pretty good job uh, putting the space forward, especially in the United States, right? Um, it's very convenient that she says this literally the day after all this stuff happens. I'll continue in the article. Um, Fitzpatrick says she's, she expects established financial firms to take over as investor confidence in some platforms wanes. She also alluded to the fact that average consumers and traders would likely benefit from such a shift as traditional institutions segregate client assets properly. Those are her quotes. Uh, the CEO admitted there is some irony to the idea of traditional financial firms taking the lead in a market that 
is meant to be defined by disruption, decentralization, and the emergence of new institutions. But Fitzpatrick said that crypto development to this point has been partly mismanaged. Quote, especially the headlines the last couple of days, she's obviously referring to the, the lawsuits, it's clear that these crypto native platforms would have benefited from having an adult in the room, end quote. They always love saying that line, don't they? Crypto needs an adult in the room. Uh, crypto needs the established institutions that have all the money and all the power. They need us to help them out, okay? You know, the people who have been taking advantage for over a century, well, they need us, okay? They can't replace us, they need us. They need our maturity. They need an adult in the room. Uh, I'll continue. Uh, quote, there are just long held and simple norms about how you treat customer assets, end quote. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Fitzpatrick's Soros Fund Management is an investment firm that handles a pool of capital that is largely owned by billionaire George Soros, valid and near, valued at nearly $30 billion, the CEO said on Wednesday. So anyways, that's what this article said. And it's not so much this article in particular or those quotes in particular, uh, right? Or even like the Soros Fund in particular. Now, that one is pretty funny because, you know, if you look at the connections here, like if you back up, let's back up for a second. Let's back up, back up. Let's connect some dots. Let's lay this out. So who is Gary Gensler? Gary Gensler is a guy who worked in the traditional finance space for years. For those of you who don't know, Gary Gensler himself is a multi-eight-figure net worth guy, okay? He's not some pleb. He's not some poor. He's not some bootstraps, uh, you know, politician, grassroots politician. No, he's he worked on Wall Street for years. He's a decamillionaire, okay? Um, and then he decided he wanted to work in the public world. Well... Who is Gary Gensler? Appointed by Biden, obviously. He was the appointee after Biden became president in 2021. Gary Gensler became the head of the SEC. Well, who is the biggest donor to the Democratic Party? And who was one of the, if not the, I'd have to double check, the biggest donors to Joe Biden? George Soros. Very interesting. Who is George Soros? If you don't know, he is formerly one of the most famous hedge fund managers in the world. I mean, he's very old now. I should say a lot of this stuff isn't necessarily him. I mean, he's like in his 90s. A lot of this is his son now. So when I say Soros, just I mean both him and his son because uh, his son is mostly running things now. Um, but he, his, George Soros' father started a lot of these things. Um, he started the Open Society Foundation. What is the Open Society Foundation? Open Society Foundation is one of the biggest you know, quote unquote, philanthropic uh, foundations in the world. Uh, it's been massively funded by Soros himself and others. And they, you know, they founded Black Lives Matter. That organization was founded by George Soros's Open Society Foundation. Um, they founded a bunch of other things and supported a ton of other causes, um, progressive causes. And that's who George Soros is. And his fund, which as we saw in the article was the last sentence there. Soros Fund Management is an investment firm that handles a pool of capital that is largely owned by George Soros. Okay. So the biggest donor to Biden who appointed Gary Gensler 
the CEO of his fund is saying, hey, I think we should be in charge of crypto. I think we need to get rid of the Binance's and Coinbase's and all the, the crypto establishment, basically, and replace it with the traditional finance establishment. I'm sure that's all coincidental, right? I'm sure it's purely coincidental that Gary Gensler was totally pro-crypto before joining the SEC. But after joining the SEC, where he also had made clear from the beginning that him joining the SEC, his goal is not to just be the chairman of the SEC. His goal is to eventually step up and either be the chairman of the Federal Reserve or be the head of the Treasury, right? One of the, you know, he wants one of those two jobs, right? He wants to be the next Jerome Powell or Janet Yellen. Well, you're only going to get there if you're doing political favors from the people who appoint you. Because keep in mind, those jobs are not elected. They are appointed, okay, by the president. Well, obviously, Joe Biden is up for re-election in 2024. And I am sure that George Soros and his foundations will be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, donors to Biden in 2024. And... I am fairly positive that if he were to win, that Gary Gensler would likely take up one of those Treasury or Fed positions. Maybe not now, because a lot of people are unhappy with him, but you know, that was kind of the idea. Is it possible that there was some type of exchange where, you know, someone told him, hey, we want to take over crypto. We want to be the new establishment in crypto. So we need you to go hard at them. And if you do this for us, then the next time, if we win re-election or possibly down the road in the future, we will give you, we will appoint you to that job that you so seek, right? Is that what happened? We don't know for sure. But it's very suspicious, is it? Isn't it? Is it not a bit suspicious, right? Because if you don't think that Gary Gensler, like I said, a guy who cut his teeth on Wall Street, a guy who made tens of millions of dollars, maybe even more, I don't know exactly what he's worth, uh, but that's roughly, you know, he's estimated roughly at like 50 million plus, I don't know exactly, but he, he made it, okay? He made it big on Wall Street. You think a guy who made it big on Wall Street like that hasn't seen everything there is to see when it comes to financial fraud and criminality, or at least borderline, questionable, gray area, immoral, borderline, you know, immoral, unethical, or totally immoral and unethical activities. I mean, the guy worked on Wall Street during the, the 2008 crisis, okay? I'm sure he saw a lot of shit. He was at Goldman, okay? He knew everything that was going on. Okay, you don't make $50 million on Wall Street without getting your hands dirty, okay? So for him to come and act like, sit on this high horse, that crypto is the worst thing I've ever seen. Oh, the trillions of dollars of fraud that occurred when I worked at Goldman? Oh, that's, listen, that was fair play. But crypto, oh my God, it's terrible. Right, so that, that's how this stuff works, okay? That's how this stuff actually works. And you have to always remember that, you know, whenever, whenever people like this do things that don't make sense, 
very often it's not because this guy is some schizophrenic bipolar, okay? It's because he's got incentives to do the things he's doing, all right? He's a player in a game, right? And if it wasn't him, it'd be somebody else. So it's not even so much about him specifically, you know? He's the face of the SEC. He's the face of this operation for traditional finance institutions to try to shove the the establishment crypto out and make themselves the crypto establishment. But that's that's the game these guys play. And you have to understand that. And that's always been the game. That's always been the goal. And so the message is really, these guys are coming. I mean, we've known they're coming. You know, BlackRock doesn't lead the investment in circle by accident, right? I mean, Fidelity has been trying to become a, a, an uh, a major crypto player for years now. Fidelity manages uh, more than one trillion. I forget exactly their assets under management, but they're they're a trillion dollar asset manager. Okay, they're one of the biggest asset managers in the world. BlackRock is the biggest asset manager in the world, right? These guys don't don't do these things by accident, and they also plan in years. They don't plan in months. You know, one of the problems with crypto is that it's a very new, young industry with a lot of young people. So we get impatient. We don't like to look at things on 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 multi-year or even decade timelines. But that's what these guys do, and that's what they specialize in, right? And they saw an opportunity with this bear market, with all the things that happen in crypto. And and I'm not saying that there aren't bad things that happen in crypto. Of course, there are plenty of scams, plenty of con artists, all of that. We know that. But don't think for a second that there aren't plenty of those things happening in traditional finance too, okay, number one. And don't think for a second that traditional finance institutions wouldn't see this as an opportunity, crypto being so beaten down into the ground over the last year, as an opportunity to come in and pick it up from the ashes after contributing to its downfall and say, oh, we're going to rebuild this foundation quote unquote, the right way, right? Our way, where we're in control. And then we can have crypto in America. Then we can we can be much more positive towards crypto, right? Then all of a sudden we'll start passing all this legislation and have a crypto friendly SEC chair and all this stuff, right? Only after we have our we have our allocations. We have our control over this market. That's that's what's happening. That's what's been happening. Um, you know, to the extent that they will succeed, we will see. Um, but I guess the real big thing is, you know, back to earlier with the time capitulation. Don't fall for the banker banker forced capitulation. You know unironically the meme of don't let the bankers take your coins you know the bankers are coming for your coins don't let the bankers take your coins make the bankers buy the coins from you you know if they're gonna take them at least get rich from it that's that's re really the only answer whether we have control over the big stuff i don't know you know let unto Caesar what is Caesar's, right? Listen, if the bankers end up in charge, you know, hey, there's only so much us little guys can do. But we can certainly 
profit in the meantime. And and that's that's what you need to do. So so don't quit, don't leave, don't get fooled into oh crypto's fucked because of the regulators and blah blah blah. That's what they want you to think. That's their goal. They want you to think that, right? They want you to capitulate so that they can take it over and then you're going to have to buy your coins back from them. No, 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 no. They're going to have to pull these coins from my cold, dead body, okay? They're going to have to buy my coins, all right? You want to take my industry? You're going to have to buy, you're going to have to pay me off, all right? For a lot higher than the prices are now. So that's it. That's that's my that's my uh, summary of what what I think is going on here. And I think it's pretty clear when you kind of step back and, and look at it, at what's going on. So that's it. Stay optimistic. Don't get down. The market's kind of shitty right now. But you know, you, you go through the pain today for the game tomorrow. That's it. Simple as always has been always will be the name of the game in markets. So Stick around. Don't go away. Don't let the bankers buy your coins. Don't let the time of boredom and pain make you quit. Don't quit now. I mean, if you quit now, after all this, are you kidding me? After all this we just went through over the last year and a half, you're going to quit now? Come on. Don't be weak. Don't be weak. It'll be the biggest regret you ever made because, as I said in the previous episode, this next bubble is going to be even bigger than the last and people are not going to believe it. People are going to be people are going to be in utter disbelief at how big this bubble is going to be. Trust me. So, capital preservation, don't lose all your money, don't get blown up in a bear market, and don't let the makers buy your coins. That's it for me today, guys. I will see you next time. Make sure to follow me on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen. And uh, yeah, I will see you guys next time. Peace.